0: Now, I would like to just read a few well-known verses at the start of the meeting from John chapter 3. (coughs) Most in the meeting will probably be very familiar with these words. I certainly knew them from a very uh, young age. John chapter 3, and we'll read from verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, We trust God will bless the reading of his precious word. You know, just at the start of the meeting tonight, I want to think about a very simple subject, the subject of time. Time is something that even the youngest in the meeting here this afternoon will probably have a fair comprehension of. You know, I've been thinking uh, a lot about that just recently in my own life and some of the circumstances in my own life. I recently just turned 27 years of age and it seems like no time at all since I was a young teenager. And I'm sure that's something that uh, some who are older than me in the meeting here this evening can relate to. The years just seem to go by faster and faster. You know, life today is so busy. Whatever stage you're at, I'm sure you'll agree with that, be it through your work or your career or maybe school or university or raising a family. There's just so much that takes of our time and our attention. And then you can add in the other things that perhaps we could do without in our lives, the pressures in this day and age of things like social media and the entertainment world and our hobbies and our interests. There's just so much that takes up our time and our attention. And you know, as I prepared to come to the meeting here in Ballyclare this evening, I looked up uh, just in the dictionary the definition of time. I'll read it out to you. The measured or measurable period during which an action, process, or condition exists or continues. You know, that definition of time it lies in complete contrast to eternity. Eternity is not measured or a measurable period. Eternity lasts forever. And that's what makes the message of the gospel so serious this afternoon. You know, what you do with salvation, what you do with the Lord Jesus Christ will have consequences that last for all eternity. You know, as I've said uh, at the start, it just struck me recently just how short time is. And more importantly, just how short it is beside the long, never-ending ages of eternity. You know, if you're not saved tonight, I want you to think very carefully about that. I want you to think about how serious a matter salvation is. You know, recently, as I was saying, circumstances in my own life, I heard about a man that I knew quite well. This man was a very wealthy businessman. I knew him from a previous place of employment and he worked very hard and he had much of what this life could offer. But just recently I heard the news that he had been diagnosed with a terminal illness and he hadn't very long left to live. And you know, that really brought home to me the brevity of life and just how temporal life here is. You know, the Bible tells us in Psalm 90, verse 10, I could have read it tonight, the days of our life, the days of our years are three-score years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years. You know, really, when all is said and done, what happens in this little life down here isn't of an awful lot of significance beside the great eternity. And you know, I would long, if you're not saved in the meeting tonight, that you would see from that perspective. That you would take a step back and see the folly of whatever it is that's distracting you from God's salvation, whatever it is that you're putting in front of being saved. Perhaps you've done you've put something in front of salvation for weeks or for years, maybe. I would long that you would remove that tonight and think seriously about being saved. You know, as I've said, what you do with the Lord Jesus Christ in this life, it will have eternal consequences. You know, there's only two places: heaven for those who are saved, and hell for those who are not. You know I don't want to be too blunt in the meeting this afternoon, but that's the reality. You know, the Bible has quite a bit to say about both places. Heaven in the Bible is described as a place of joy and a place of happiness. The Bible describes heaven as a place of paradise. Hell, on the other hand, is a place of awful suffering and misery. I could have read a passage from Luke 16 tonight about a rich man There was a man, and he went through this life comfortable. He wanted for nothing, but he died, and he found himself in hell and the lake of fire. And you know, it doesn't bear thinking about that there could be one under the sound of my voice this afternoon, and that's where you would find yourself. To come along to a meeting such as this, be in such a privileged position, hear the gospel preached, perhaps week after week, by men more capable than me, and still to perish for all eternity. And you know, that's why this is so serious this afternoon. You know, I don't want to be hard in the meeting tonight, but that man in Luke 16 he had one request, and it was that someone would be sent to warn his brethren of what awaited them if they died in their sins. And so I come as your friend tonight to gently warn you of the consequences of dying in your sins. You know, salvation's urgent. The Bible tells us very clearly: boast not thyself of tomorrow. And you know, I want to give you three reasons in the meeting tonight why you would need to be in a hurry to be saved. The first reason is death. As I've said, the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow. The Bible also tells us that we know not what a day will bring forth. You know, death is no respecter of age. You know, when I was a young boy, maybe I'll have time to tell some of my testimony just at the close of the meeting. I used to think I was too young to die, but that's not the case tonight. Another reason why you would need to be in a hurry to be saved is the Lord or the Holy Spirit might stop speaking to you. The Bible tells us, And Job, God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. You know, if you're concerned about your soul today, if you would like to be saved, you cherish those thoughts. Make salvation a priority and don't brush them away. You know, the last reason I would give you why you need to be in a hurry to be saved today is the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as a young boy, that was something that really spoke to me. The Bible tells us, in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. You know, if the Lord Jesus Christ was to come to the air tonight, the Christians would be taken from this hall to the air to meet him. And if you're not saved, you'd be left behind to face the awful judgment of God. You know, I've told you uh, just at the outset of the meeting here about the urgency of salvation. I've told you of the consequences of dying in your sins. But thank God tonight I have another side of the gospel to tell you. The gospel is a good news message. I want to tell you tonight, the Lord Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross for your sins and for mine. You know, this is the part of the gospel message I love to get to. If I just had uh, eternal punishment and sin to tell you about, I wouldn't have come up the road from Ballymena tonight. But thank God tonight, the Lord Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross. You know, I would long you would get a glimpse of the Savior tonight, John the Baptist, when he's seen the Lord Jesus Christ on the banks of the Jordan. His words were, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He takes away the sin of the world. He take away your sin tonight. You know, the night I was saved, I realized the Lord Jesus Christ died to take away my sins. And if you're to be saved, it will have to be the same for you tonight. As I've said, I'll maybe be able to tell some of my testimony at the end. But there's many great stories of conversion in the Bible. We could think In the book of the Acts of the Ethiopian eunuch, and he was saved when he met Philip the Evangelist and they talked over the scriptures together, we could think of the Philippian jailer, a great earthquake used to awaken him. And he asked that great question, what must I do to be saved? You know, would there be one in the meeting tonight? And that's the question you would ask, what must I do to be saved? You know, listen to the answer from the scriptures tonight. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You know, we could have thought of Paul on the road to Damascus, that man who persecuted the church, persecuted the Christians, and a bright light from heaven, and he was awoken and has put his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, all those accounts are much more dramatic than my simple story of conversion. But one thing I have in common with all those accounts is a moment of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross and you know if you're to be saved it'll have to be the same for you tonight. It's nothing to do with your family or nothing to do with your good works. It's a moment of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know the work tonight has been done. There's nothing left for you to do. The Bible tells us in great detail of Christ's sufferings on the cross. He was buffeted and beaten and mocked. He was nailed to a cross. There was an inscription of mockery placed above his head. And you know, I want to think of his cry tonight. He cried, It is finished. You know, when he cried, It is finished, he bore the punishment for your sins and for mine on Calvary's cross. And you know, he's ready to save you today if you'll only put your trust in him. You know, the work has been done. For some people, that's too simple. That's something that maybe I struggled with for years as a young boy. You know, the Bible speaks an occasion of the foolishness of the preaching of the cross. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians that says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. You know, man wants to do their little bit to add to the finished work of the cross. People want to do their good works and work up enough believing, but the work has been done. When the Lord Jesus Christ cried, it is finished. Everything was done to the satisfaction of God the Father. You know, I heard a man speaking recently, and he, he brought out a point that really stuck with me. He talked about the division of Calvary. You know, the cross that divided physically. The Lord Jesus Christ was lifted up on a center cross between two malefactors. And we could think of the different attitudes of those two men. One scorned the Savior and mocked him. And the other put his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, the Lord Jesus Christ could say to that man, this day shalt thou be with me in paradise. But you know, as I look upon my audience here today, the cross divides in the hall here today. There are those in the meeting here and they've put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and there's those perhaps and you continue to reject them. But as, as I've already said, more serious than not, the cross will divide for all eternity. Those who go through this life and don't put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, will be in hell and the lake of fire forever. And those who put their trust in him will be in heaven for all eternity. You know, I just want to think briefly of those verses we read there in John chapter 3. We read in verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You know, the Lord here is talking to Nicodemus and he's referring back to uh, a time in the Old Testament that Nicodemus would have been all uh, too aware of. He refers to an Old Testament event involving the children of Israel. You know, they're in the camp there and the fiery serpents come into the camp and they bite the children of Israel and the people were dying. And the only way they could be healed was by looking in faith to that serpent that was raised up upon a pole. You know, here today, in 2023 in Bolly we haven't been bitten by a serpent. but We have another very sinister problem, the problem of sin. You know, as you look upon yourself, there's no bite mark. But as you look inside your heart, we're each affected by the same disease. that affects us to our very core, the problem of sin. You know, I don't have to look too far in my life, and you don't have to look too far in your life to realize that you're capable of sinning. The Bible tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, those children of Israel that were bitten in that day, I often wonder whether those that were bitten and perhaps they lay on in their tents, they didn't bother going out to look at the serpent on the pole. And you know, maybe there's some like that in the meeting here today. You realize you're a sinner and you know the Lord Jesus Christ has died on Calvary's cross, but you're happy and comfortable to continue on in your sins. You know, you need to change your approach immediately. Until you make salvation your number one priority, you will never be saved. And you know, I I don't mean to labour the point, but I fear there's complacency in the day and age that we live. I know I myself for years, I drifted through gospel meetings such as this Sunday after Sunday. Never really thought about the great eternity never really thought about being saved but until you make salvation your priority you will never receive uh, the eternal life I just want to for the last uh, few minutes here briefly tell something of how I uh, was saved my testimony story you know I was brought up in what's often uh, known or referred to in a meeting such as this as a Christian home you know by that I mean uh, both my parents were saved uh, all my grandparents were saved And most of my immediate family was saved. You know, you could say I was brought up in the most privileged of circumstances. I was taken along to meetings such as this here, week after week. If there were a series of meetings in our area, I was brought along to the most nights. You know, I couldn't remember uh, the, the first time I heard the message of the gospel. But you know, I went up through the years and went to primary school, and I don't ever remember having too many serious thoughts about being saved. You know, I would have came along to a meeting such as this and something that the speaker had said from the platform would maybe have spoken to me, but very quickly I would have went back to school and back to my friends the next day and the thoughts would have been gone. But I want to come to one time where I was very loudly spoken to. I was 12 years of age and I just moved to secondary school. Now there was a parent teacher uh, evening on And at the time we had been attending a series of gospel meetings there in Creavery Hall, near where we live. And we had been been attending most nights, but this particular night my mother and father were going to meet the teachers, and my grandmother was coming down to look after me for the evening. Now uh, we were having our dinner that evening, and my grandmother would always have listened to the news and the radio. And there was a conflict going on in the Middle East at the time between Israel and Lebanon. And she happened to remark that surely it was only a matter of time until the Lord came again. You know, as I said earlier on, as a young boy, I never feared death. But one thing that struck absolute terror to me was the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I knew if the Lord Jesus Christ came, I'd be left behind. My mom and dad would be taken away to the air and to heaven, and I'd be left behind for the judgment of God. You know, I would have liked to have been saved that night. And I remember praying that someone would be saved at the meeting that night in Creavery because I thought here I am I'm concerned about my soul and if someone's to be saved tonight it'll be me but you know as I said my mum and dad were heading off to the the parent teacher that evening that night and they must have known I was concerned because they come down to my room and they said that they would arrange for a lift for me to the meeting if I if I desired it you know the voice came to me I said the voice came to me and it said sure Daniel You can take tonight off and enjoy yourself and you can go back to the meeting tomorrow night. And you know, to my shame, I didn't go to the meeting that night. You know, the news came through the next day that a 16-year-old girl had got saved that night in the meeting. And I remember that struck me like a hammer blow because there was I. I had prayed that someone would get saved in the meeting that night and I felt it should have been me saved. But here I was, I had spurned the opportunity to be saved and this other girl had got saved that night. You know, I done a very dangerous thing that night. I put off the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I've already told you earlier in the meeting of the dangers of that. You know, if you're concerned about your soul, don't put off the voice of the Holy Spirit. Go in for God's salvation. You know, I want to come on then, uh, skip through a few years. Uh, I was coming to the end of my time at secondary school. I was heading off uh, to celebrate leaving school with my friends on leavers night. And again, we had been attending a series of meetings at that time, and I was starting to become a bit more independent and run about with my friends, and I thought this would be a great opportunity to get away for the night, and a a bit of freedom from the restraints at home. And you know, my friends had been talking about this big party for leaving school for weeks. They'd been building it up and hyping it up, and they were all looking forward to it. And you know, I went away with my friends that night and celebrated leaving school, I remember the next day I was walking down the street in Port Stewart looking out from the promenade over the ocean and it was a lovely day just like this here and I felt horrible. I was sick and I remember thinking uh, here I am after this big evening to celebrate leaving school and here I am more miserable than I had been the day before and you know I thought to myself there has to be more to life than this here and as I looked out upon the ocean I knew as I seen the sun shining over the water, I knew that was God's hand that put that there. I knew that there was a creator and one day I had to meet him. But you know, I, uh, the thoughts left me at that time and uh, we were coming then to another series of gospel meetings in September of that year at Harville Assembly, where I'm from. And the speakers on that occasion were Mr. Wesley Martin and Mr. Tom Armstrong. Now at this time, uh, I was starting to pick my accommodation For heading to university, Uh, there was a problem that year. There wasn't too much accommodation available uh, through the university, so a lot of my friends were heading off to houses together. Now I was looking at getting a house with this group of boys I'd been friendly with at school, and they were they were decent chaps. But I knew that they were going to take me down a route that I'd be better not going. I knew that I was at a crossroads in my life, and I'd have liked to have been saved at that point. But, you know, as those those meetings progressed and we went through the weeks of those meetings, those thoughts left me. But the the meetings ended and I remember thinking to myself, I'll get away off here to university and see uh, see if I can enjoy life. But, you know, on a Sunday night, I got the news that my brother Andrew had got saved. You know, I'm uh, the eldest of four boys and my two youngest brothers, David and Jonathan, they had got saved when they were very young. And it was just me and Andrew and the family that weren't saved but Here I was, Andrew got saved, and I was the oldest son and the only one in the family not saved. You know, that struck me like a hammer blow. I was desperate to be saved. I remember the next day, it was my first day at university, and I didn't hear a thing that was said in the lectures out there. I was reading through scriptures that I knew and thinking over the verses that I knew and putting my name into verses the way I'd been told from the platform. But uh, the more I struggled, the darker I seemed to get. I remember then that night uh, my family were going to a ministry meeting in Brasheen and they asked would I like to come along. I said I wouldn't go along that night. I said I was going to go to my football training because I knew when I got home from my training that the house would be empty and I would have time to myself. You know I made my way to my training that night, didn't enjoy it at all and got home from the training that night and got the Bible out. And again, I was reading through the verses that I'd known so well since I was a young boy, reading through tracts that I'd been given. And I opened the Bible to this passage in John 3, and I read through it. And again, I couldn't see how to be saved. And I remember setting the Bible down in frustration and going to turn the computer on. And the thought came to me, here I was, 19 years of age. I felt I had spurned an opportunity to be saved back when I was 12 years of age. Here I was at 19, been spoken to again, seven years later, the thought came to me, what if it's another seven years before I'm spoken to again? What if it's another seven years before I'm interested in being saved? You know, I didn't know what my life would look like in seven years' time, or if I was even spoken to again, and I thought to myself, if I don't get saved now, I might never be saved. And I opened the Bible again, uh, this passage that I've read to you tonight from John 3, and I came to that verse, John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world. You know, I knew that from I'd been a young boy. I knew God is love. God loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. You know, I knew that the Lord Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross. That whosoever believeth in him. You know, for the first time in my life, I forgot about what I could do. I forgot about trying to work out how to be saved. For the first time in my life, I realized that when the Lord Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross, he died for me. And you know, in a moment of time, I was saved. And you know, no sinner was I saved until the thought came to me, that was far too simple. You couldn't be saved, Daniel. And I said to myself, read on in the verse, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, that was God's assurance to me that I was saved. And you know, God's word is what each of us in the meeting tonight have who are saved. That's what we're relying on to take us to heaven. You know, uh, as I've said For years I struggled with how to be saved. Here was I, brought up in a Christian home, heard the gospel week after week, and went on in my sins for 19 years. You know, that's what I would like to get across tonight. As I've said at the start of the meeting, time is short. You know, if you're having thoughts about being saved, you cherish those thoughts tonight and go in for God's salvation. You know, I hope something of uh, what I've said or something from my testimony might be of help to you uh, in trying to be saved. And we just trust that God will bless His word. We'll just close in prayer. Our Father, we come before Thee and we thank Thee uh, for the reverent attention in our meeting tonight. Father, we thank Thee for the one we've been able to uh, tell of this evening, Thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank Thee for every glorious aspect of His character. We thank Thee for that sinless, spotless One that gave Himself there on Calvary's cross. And Father, We would long that as a result of this meeting tonight, there would be one that would realize that when he cried, it is finished. It was for them. Father, we just pray for salvation in the meeting tonight and pray to hear of blessing as a result of our time here in thy son's worthy and most precious name. Amen.